Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Facebook groups I'm in for my local city where people post all kinds of questions from where to find good Thai food to where to find a good pediatrician. On a regular basis, people also ask for church recommendations. And typically the post sounds something like this one that I saw recently, quote, looking for a nice, friendly community church where we can get involved with volunteering and make new friends. Well, of course, that description could fit churches with vastly different beliefs. So if you're looking for a church, the most important thing to start with is finding out whether the church's teachings line up with the Bible, not whether it has a thriving community. But that said, it can be really tricky to discern what's going on at churches from looking at their presence online. Whether you're looking for a new church for yourself, helping a friend evaluate churches in another city, looking for a church in your college student's new town, or anything else, we hope today's episode will give you some guidance on what to look for online and what to watch out for. But first, our announcements and tips of the week. Well, we are so excited to be coming to Calvary Chapel Chino Hills in the Southern California area on May 6th. You can go to unshakenconference.com to register for that today. Also, if you have really enjoyed this podcast, if you have found this helpful, will you please share it with your friends? Maybe share it on social media. You can send it via email to your friends. Help us to get the word out. And it also really, really helps us if you go to wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform it might be, Google, Apple, Spotify, rate and review. It really helps kind of fine tune those algorithms to get this into the news feeds of more people. So we so appreciate your help with that. So my tip of the week is spotting an either or fallacy. Sometimes this is called the false dilemma. And it's a logical fallacy that really presents only two options or sides when there's actually a lot more options or sides available. So a perfect example of this is a post that made the rounds a couple of weeks ago in which a progressive Christian was making claims like these. He said, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, not the Bible. We are called to be disciples of Christ, not the Bible. Christ is the one who will return to judge the living and the dead, not the Bible. Now, can you spot the either or fallacy? He's presenting only two options when there's actually a lot more options or sides available. Of course, we are called to be disciples of Christ, but that doesn't mean we are to not read the Bible or that the Bible in some way is in contradiction to the statement we are supposed to be disciples of Christ. In fact, we know how to be disciples of Christ by reading God's revealed word. And remember, Jesus was the living word, and he saw no contradiction with calling the written word the word of God. So be on the lookout for the either-or fallacy, or sometimes called false dilemma. That's a great example of that fallacy, and I saw that post going around like crazy online, and so many people were asking for help with that. So that was a really simple, direct way of answering that. I love it. Well, my tip of the week is to just be an encourager to your pastor or other leaders in your church. So last week we were talking about calling out false teachers, but it's also really important to give encouragement to the biblically faithful teachers in our lives. There is so much about being a pastor that can be exhausting, and all the surveys show that a lot of pastors struggle with depression. It's it's quite a significant problem. So pray for your pastor regularly and proactively reach out to offer words of encouragement as you can. That is such good advice. 
advice because we so often tend to only write in when we disagree with something instead right. of writing in to encourage <laughs> speak to the manager, right? <laughs> let's yes, let's not speak to the manager, but let's encourage the manager, right? That's good. I love that. That's so that good. That should be our new tagline. I know. <laughs> we want to encourage the manager. That's right. It's a different kind of Karen. It's a different kind of Karen. I love it. All right. Well, let's get into today's topic. One of the most common questions that I receive is how do I find a good church when there's so much heresy out there? There's so much progressivism and other movements and false gospels that are sneaking into churches. How do we find a good church? And so we want to acknowledge up front that really the only way to definitively know what's going on at a church is to attend in person and really to go for multiple weeks. And even if you do that, things can pop up after you've been there for a while. But the reality is that it takes a lot of time to do that. And there's a lot you can do to eliminate problematic prospects before investing your time in person. You just have to do your homework by reviewing the church's online presence. And so that's what we're hoping to help you with today. So we want to go through a few things to proactively look for, and then we're going to talk about some red flags. So when it comes to the things that you want to seek out, step one is to go straight to the church's What We Believe page. So what you're going to find on a What We Believe page is typically a list of the elders and the leaders and the staff. You're going to find their mission and their value statement. And then you're going to also find their doctrinal statement, sometimes called What We Believe. And I will tell you the first thing I look for on a What We Believe statement is the view the church has of the Bible. If it's very vague or if the language is ambiguous, that's a big red flag. I'm looking for words like the Bible is the authoritative word of God. I'm looking for words like inspired and without error in its original autographs, uh, inspired by God, infallible, right? I want to see all of those words really is what I'm looking for. And from there, I would look for uh, doctrines that some false gospels view as problematic. I would look for a strong statement on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. I would look for an affirmation of heaven and hell being real places. I would look for uh, an affirmation that human beings are inherently sinful because now that doesn't mean that that tells you everything. Some churches that are sliding into progressivism or other false gospels might have a more solid doctrinal statement, but a church that has gone all the way into progressive Christianity will not affirm those types of doctrines that are viewed as problematic in that movement. Yeah, I go straight to the, what it says about the Bible also. So I think that that's a really good tip to start with. And, you know, at least when I was uh, preparing for this episode, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of looking at all these websites of local churches to get an idea of, you know, what's going on out there right now? What are some examples that we can pull out? So just to add a couple of uh, examples from local churches in my area, uh, one church, when you looked at what they believe about God, it said, we believe that God is the creator of all things. Okay. And we are all his beloved children. God is too big to be put into the box of any mm. church denomination or doctrine. That would be a huge problem, right? So they're saying something about what they believe about God, but anytime they're saying he's too big to be put into a box, that means they're not going to commit to any particular understanding of God. The problem is, and, and we've talked about this before offline, is that if God has already revealed himself in certain ways, he's put himself into a certain box in terms of the parameters mm -hmm. in which we should be understanding him, right? So any church that's not wanting to commit to it, and they're trying to sound humble, that that could be a problem. 
And another case I saw uh, a church, they didn't have any kind of statement of specific affirmations that are rooted in biblical teachings with, with scriptural references, references and things like that. Uh, but instead they kind of summarized it as uh, three things that they believe in celebration, community, and compassion. Mm. So if a church is bypassing scriptural affirmations completely, that's also going to be a concern. I mean, celebration, community, and compassion doesn't say anything about what they actually believe about who Jesus is, which is, of course, central to Christianity. And then one last example, sometimes the beliefs are not even just said on the what we believe page. Sometimes the front page will just scream at you. So I went to one website and the front page, and it looked like an okay church just at first look, but it said one God, one heart, many paths. Hmm. So if that's the most important thing that you have to say about your beliefs, you're probably not going to be a strong biblical church. So just a few examples of things from from my local community here. Something else that you can do is look over several months of the sermon topics and of course watch some sermons. So most of the time sermon titles alone aren't going to sound problematic. A lot of times they're just clever names and that's why you're ultimately going to have to listen to some of the teaching of course. But there are a few things that might stand out if you just look at the topic. So as one example, you can often tell whether the pastor tends to base most of his sermons on passages of scripture like walking through a book of the Bible over several weeks or months or if he tends to be more topical. There's nothing wrong with topical teachings, but if that's the only kind of teaching you see, it might indicate that the church is overly seeker-friendly and you might not find a certain depth of teaching there. As another example, be cautious if it seems that most of the sermons are about you, you, you. The sermons shouldn't sound like a self-help class designed to help you find your happy place. If there's more about you than about God, it's probably going to be problematic. And then finally, some titles will actually tip you off to problems. So one more progressive church that I was looking at, for example, they had a sermon about saying no to religion and yes to healing. Mm. Well, depending on what you mean by religion, that might not be problematic, but religion is often a word that's used to demean the historic Christian faith. So it could be a red flag. Yeah, that's really good. And another important thing to look at is individual ministry pages. So if I'm checking out a church, I might go and look at their women's ministry, look and see what speakers they've brought in, what were the topics of their events and their conferences, look at the men's ministry, look at what their youth ministry focus is, and what Bible studies they're offering and what book studies they're offering. Another good thing you can do if they have one is go to the resource tab. What kind of books are they recommending for the congregation for spiritual growth or for counseling or for any topic. Just take a look and see, and that will give you a really good indication as to where the church is coming from uh, by the people they're bringing in and the resources that they're recommending. And one last thing to proactively search out is the the church's social media. So this includes the church's official accounts, the pastor's accounts, and youth ministries accounts. So this has the potential to actually be more telling than anything Mm -hmm. in my experience. A lot of times the church's official account is pretty basic, pretty sterile. It's more about current events, just letting you know it's coming up. But if the pastor has his own accounts, they will tell you a lot about what he finds important to share 
what current events issues he's concerned about and who he quotes. And the idea here is not that you're on the lookout for some small wording issue or misstep that he, you know, might make to catch him on. That's not the heart of it. We're not heresy hunting. But if the pastor that you're looking into is quoting someone like Richard Rohr, that's going to tell you something important about where he is. And don't stop with the pastor. This is really important too. If you have kids in children's or youth ministries, you should check out any public profiles those leaders might have. Depending on the size of the church, it's entirely possible that a head pastor can be solid, but not realize there are some problematic things going on with the youth leaders. I've seen this firsthand. The head pastor is not the only one leading in a church. So it's helpful to get a broader view by looking at some of those other accounts. And I know actually, just as a side note, that this is uh, something that some people have been doing on Andy Stanley's church. When all these concerns started to come up about Mm. Andy Stanley, people started looking at the social media accounts of people at various campuses related to his church and the different ministries and found some really concerning stuff that they were posting. So it's important to look at the social media. In today's world, it just gives you a broader view of what they're teaching And that's honestly the first thing I do when people say, what about this teacher or what about this pastor? If it's somebody I've never heard of, the first thing I do is go look at their Twitter because you can really get a feel for where somebody's coming from by a Twitter feed because they're just short posts and you can kind of scroll down, see who they're retweeting, see what they're quoting, see what books they're recommending and what sort of ideas they're promoting. And and that's a really quick way. I mean, any of us, I don't have Twitter anymore, but you could have gone onto my Twitter and know what I was about fairly quickly. And so that's a, that's a really good, just kind of first place to go. Absolutely. So let's switch gears now and talk about spotting a few key red flags. Obviously, we can't cover everything, but there are some big ones that tend to stand out today. At least a lot of churches are coming under NAR influence in various ways. Can you briefly explain what NAR is and talk about some of the language that would be a red flag pointing to NAR influence in a church? Yeah, so NAR is an acronym that means New Apostolic Reformation. And ultimately, it's a movement that believes that God has reinstated the office of apostle and that the church should actually come under the governing authority of these modern day apostles who are receiving uh, in conjunction with a prophet, new revelation about what the church is supposed to do and where the church is supposed to go. So even elder boards in the view of the NAR are supposed to come under the authority of these apostles that are supposedly connected directly to God to get this new revelation. And so, of course, Natasha and I have endorsed a book and um, have had the authors of the book on our podcast. The book is called Counterfeit Kingdoms, Doug Guyvett and Holly Pivik. And so we really want to recommend that as a resource for you. Regarding buzzwords for NAR, it can actually be kind of difficult to discern whether or not a church is NAR just based on the belief statement. And one of the reasons for that is because while NAR is a phenomenon that's happening within the charismatic church, it doesn't represent the entire charismatic church. I personally know many charismatics that are very concerned about NAR teachings and practices making their way into their churches. So there is going to be some overlap on language between charismatic church and the NAR church. But some basic buzzwords that you can look for are phrases like fivefold ministry, Ephesians 4.11 ministries, apostolic and prophetic functions or offices. Some in the NAR have moved away from the word office because they have received a lot of criticism for that. And so they've moved to the word functions. And this is different than having a prophetic gift. 
we're talking about prophetic offices or functions, apostolic and prophetic offices, ascension gifts. Now, certainly not every use of the word apostolic is used in the NAR sense. So this isn't a guarantee that you've found NAR in a church, but you can also look at the leadership of the church. Sometimes a statement of faith might say that the biblical government of the church consists of apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Also, the word generals is a code for apostles or prophets. And finally, when you're looking at a belief statement, there are certain places that you can look more carefully and closely, like the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the ministry, church, spiritual gifts, and eschatology. You know, it's funny because sometimes you just see little bits and pieces that aren't necessarily NAR, but maybe prosperity gospel, which mm-hmm. can be related to this Very also. connected. Very was- lots of overlap there between NAR and prosperity gospel, yeah. Yeah. And there was this new church that was advertising in my local area through Facebook the other day. And so I clicked over to see what it was about. And it, 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 there was nothing I could see that was explicitly wrong. It just felt like something wasn't quite right. And as I looked more, there was just one line on that front page and it said, come and find financial freedom. Mm. And that was just kind of a tip off that, you know, that's not a promise of the gospel. That's, that is, that's not something that they should be telling people who are coming to their church. It's not about finding financial freedom, right? It's it's about spiritual freedom. So that's just something that can tip you off also to related issues about prosperity gospel. Well, we also want to point out some red flag language that points to a church embracing progressive theology or ideology. A lot of times now, this is quite obvious because churches are really proud of their progressive status. Mm -hmm. So it's not something they're hiding at all. Uh, For example, a local progressive church's website here says on the very front page, everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Living our love. And then they focus on testimonials right under that from people in their congregation. It's kind of funny to say a testimonial, but that's what they called it. Testimonials from people Mm -hmm. in their church that we're all speaking to the appreciation of how committed the church was to social justice and activism and pride colors are part of the logo of the church. There wasn't a cross, just the, the pride colors. And then on the beliefs page, it says we take the Bible seriously, not literally. You know, there are plenty of parts of scripture that we realize we shouldn't take literally. When Jesus says, I am the door, we don't think he was a literal door. So a church that makes a statement like that is letting you know that they might appreciate the Bible in some way, but they almost certainly don't see it as any kind of authoritative scripture. So in general, in terms of those buzzwords, you will see things like welcoming, affirming, inclusive, accepting, which is really a shame because those words sound great, right? We want to be a welcoming congregation, but in the lingo that's being used today in progressive churches, that usually means that they do not hold to a biblical view of sexuality, which also means that they probably don't hold the Bible to be authoritative and the inspired word of God. With other churches that maybe aren't so forthcoming about their progressive beliefs, you might spot still a significant focus on social justice issues that seem to take a particularly prominent place on the site in terms of the ministries that they focus on and and what they're doing as a congregation. Maybe they're doing it from a biblical justice perspective. That's great. I'm not saying that any mention of justice is a red flag, but given the trends today, given what's going on, this is something that if it's put up there kind of with equal billing to the gospel that you'd want to be concerned about. Yeah, those are all the buzzwords for progressive Christianity. And also uh, some phrases you might look for is everybody's welcome at the same table. We are all at the same table or everybody has a seat at the table. Uh, You might hear the phrase all are welcome. And of course, as Natasha said, we want everyone to feel welcome in our churches, but everyone's going to be welcome to hear the gospel, which requires everyone to lay down uh, their lives and follow Christ and surrender 
surrender our wants and our desires and all of these things. And you also, when you're looking at a belief statement at a progressive church, the Bible will often, the human aspect of the Bible will often be emphasized over the divine aspect. So they might couch it in language that says, we hold a very high view of scripture and we see the Bible as a human book or primarily a human book. Those would be some red flags to look for in progressive churches as well. Well, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast for long form episodes where we go deeper into topics like these. But for now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. Thank you.